0: Hello and welcome to C Buzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber and CD 1025 where we bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I'm Dan Swartout, and today we're with Greg Lehman and Dave Rigo, the owners and distillers of Watershed Distillery. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us here today on CBuzz.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us come in.
0: Now, we're super excited to have you guys. Your business is blowing up. People are talking about it. So (laughs) to have you here in the CBuzz studios is super exciting. Uh, Greg, Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit before we get started, a little bit about about, watershed distillery, what it is, what it's all about.
2: Sure. So yeah, we started Watershed uh, back in 2010. Uh, we make booze for a living. So uh, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much the best that job sums it up. Yeah, best, it is. best job any two guys could have. Um,
0: and that's Dave. Just so everyone the, out there can put a, a voice to the name. That's Dave sure. who said we make booze. We for make a booze a living. for a living. Yeah, yeah. It's the,
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, we started in 2010. Started in a really small space. Um, started with just a couple different products. Uh, we make now vodka, uh, two different types of gin, right? Uh, bourbon, and then a small little uh, uh, kind of pet project, uh, nocino, which is uh, an Italian walnut liqueur. Yeah, we're cool excited to ask you
0: about nocino on top of everything else because Sh- that's kind of like a dessert it's, drink, it's, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's an after dinner drink. Typically, is how it's how it's consumed in Italy, and uh, but it goes really well in ice cream and. Coffee in the morning and all kinds of different <laughs> stuff. So it's 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 pretty cool.
0: Breakfast with no chino. Right,
2: right. Why not? Why excellent,
0: not? excellent. Well, um, gentlemen, if you could uh, just tell us a little bit. Growing up, was it your dream job to own and run? We knew a distillery? from a young age, yes, right? Right. Yeah, that's At, joke. At five
2: years old, we uh, decided. Life cereal to, yeah, with yeah. no chino. Right, right, right. Um, no, no. I think uh, growing up, um, the funny thing is. Uh, both of our families were not not big drinkers whatsoever. Uh, Greg Greg's got a pretty interesting story actually on that. Uh, with his, Yeah, with my great grandmother was
1: uh, part of the drive movement. She worked in the printing presses in Westerville. Yes, that printed all the stuff for the dry movement. So I, I think she'd be uh, turning in her grave <laughs> if she knew we were distilling product <laughs> here in Central Ohio. <laughs>
0: Which Westerville at the time was like the epicenter for that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You Google Westerville and
2: Temperance City. Yes. there's a whole bunch of information. It, Go to the library in Westerville, and there's still a huge section on prohibition. So, uh, yeah. So, it, it so, at an early age, we
1: were it not drinkers. <laughs> we, we definitely, but
2: <laughs> we, we definitely don't have the fourth generation moonshine <laughs> distiller story or anything like right. that. But um, I, I think ours was just basically came from uh, wanting to start a business, and then also combining that with love of food, love of the service industry, and then putting two and two together. And we liked really like the microbrewing segment and what it was doing, and then we put that together and and saw this huge opportunity in the distilling world where uh, pre-prohibition Ohio had over 100 distilleries. Uh, Post-prohibition, it was zero. Really? (laughs) So, yeah. So, we uh, were surrounded by great grain. Obviously, we grow corn and wheat and all that kind of stuff really well here in Ohio. So, um, we have all the facilities to be able to do it. just just haven't done it since prohibition really until until recently
1: it, and i think the
2: thread from my childhood was more
1: uh, i was always trying to make money um from a young age i started layman so Blanc why did we, so why <laughs> didn't layman. we start a distillery <laughs> well <laughs> i mean it was just entrepreneurial and i, I even, even though I, I saw a lot of some success and a lot of uh just struggle trying to make it go but um yeah, I started, I remember passing out flyers down, up and down my street. Yeah. Layman's lawn care. And I worked out a deal with my dad where he would let me use the tractor and the mower. He would put gas in it. If I kept our yard mode, he'd put gas in the mower and then I could go make money up and down the street, mowing other people's yards, which is a pretty cool deal at a young age. I remember convincing my brothers to help me and we actually earned enough to buy a go-kart. No. Uh, yeah, it was I mean, you know, at as, as a kid, 11 or 12, that was pretty cool. We That's were pretty awesome. fired up at the end of the summer to go get the go-kart. And then went, uh, went
2: from a go-kart to an 04 Rendezvous now. Yeah, now,
1: now I'm rocking the 04 Rendezvous. Thanks, Dave Sweet. Sweet. Calling me out. Uh, hey. uh, but uh, I delivered newspapers all through high school and um always trying to figure out how to uh how to uh, try, try to make something go. Very entrepreneurial, like I said. And then my first job was with a really small company helping them set up their uh, international distribution and really setting up markets all around the world. And so it was kind of cool to go in there and start from scratch. And a lot of that's bled over to what we're doing at Watershed where we're starting in Ohio at zero and trying to make it go.
0: And so I think there's a lot of threads there that help. So you always had an entrepreneurial streak. Right. And and even as you're going to work for somebody else, it was almost like you were an entrepreneur again because it was such a new business.
1: Right. That's absolutely right. So we would look at it and it was a very small company, this one called Primatech down in North Carolina. Uh-huh. And we didn't have any distribution in South Africa, but there was a big market there. So I went there and met with different suppliers and talked to them about our product and set up the business there and and grew it. So so, you did a lot of traveling to South Africa? Well, that was just one market. I was in charge of everything outside the U.S. So it was Canada, it was Mexico, it was South Africa, it was New Zealand, Australia, all over Europe. It was was a cool job right out of school. Um, I wouldn't recommend it at this point. I have two kids and a family and it's a little bit trickier now, but at the time... Yeah, it was really cool, it was fun.
0: That must have been fun when you're a young man, you're in your 20s, you're just traveling all over the world. Now, Dave, we talked a little bit here about Greg's entrepreneurial streak. Did sure. you have a similar mindset when you were younger? Were you trying to start businesses? I didn't
2: I didn't work at all until I was twenty. His nickname's years. country
0: club. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: Ouch, ouch. All right. I just, I deserve that one. Uh, no, definitely. I mean, you know, we, we both grew up in, in in great environments, but uh my dad had me working at fifteen years old. Um I did work at a at a driving range. And the so goes, was, come on, man. There was uh, there was that <laughs> golf element to it, but uh, no, we we worked. A, I worked a ton, uh, worked all throughout high school and college, and was always just wanting to make money and wanting to you know buy go try car, to make bo- money, buy right? go karts, I guess, or something. <laughs> um, but but uh, it was more you know I think it was more inspired when I got my first job out of college. Um, Did sales for ten years, and sales is the most entrepreneurial thing outside of actually starting your own business that you can do. Right, Um, you know, you make your own way. It's complete commission. Yes, and you know, you can make ten grand a year. You can make two hundred grand a year, and and anything in between. So it's just how hard you work. Um, So that was that was kind of my entrepreneurial experience was ten years in sales previous to starting Watershed. I have always heard that
0: a salesperson. Is never overpaid because you're working on commission.
2: Yeah, and you're always—it uh, you, doesn't matter what you did two months ago. They, right. <laughs> they only care about what you're doing this month. Coffee so, is for closers, yeah, Dave. Exactly right. That's right. exactly right. So, um, you know, it was—it was just a whole lot of hard work, and and then then you start to realize towards the end of your career, you're making pretty good money, but you're making your employer a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So you start to realize, all right. Uh, you know, I want to, if I'm going to build something, I want to build something for myself. Uh, and that's when we started talking uh, and really started thinking about what business we wanted to do. We, we started in 2008, we started Lego properties, layman Rico to, together. It was a really, really awesome name. Um, Lego, Lego, yeah. Lego, like, like any cease and desist luck, orders. Luck, sh- luckily, not, we never got, we, we that. never, that. never got big easy. enough to get to <laughs> that point. But uh, so we decided to flip houses in 2008, right as the market was crashing. <laughs> so perfect timing um, but we did we did we actually flipped one house in Arlington and made a little bit of money on it um, and took some of that money and traveled around the country and visited different distilleries and tried to figure out this next project because because flipping houses wasn't wasn't what we were gonna make a bunch of money doing. How did you guys meet? Uh, through our wives? Our, our wives are pretty good friends and, and, uh, post, post, and now they regret introducing us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <No. laughs> um, Wait, what do we do? What do we start? Right, right. Rewind. <laughs> but yeah, totally through our wives. And it was only, man, it's been probably only nine years ago since we, since we met. So it wasn't like lifelong friends or anything like that. Just shared some common interests, uh, and, uh, and, Discussed business almost every time we got together, so yeah, it's kind of that's a natural a, fit.
1: That's a lot of the background here, and I think what we attribute our, at least some of our success to, we weren't necessarily, you know, way into drinking or way into spirits, but we loved the business side of it. And mm-hmm. when we when we came up with the idea, we didn't know how to distill, and we didn't have any money. We made a little bit of money off flipping that house, but not near enough money to do this. So we were two guys with an idea. Uh, Definitely inspired by what was going on in the brewing industry and this local movement. And there are some influence uh, of that from when I was in Switzerland in this town I lived in where where local was so key. Mm -hmm. But um, for us, it was more about the business side, writing the plan. We traveled around the country, studied different distilleries, how to do it. And I remember it was kind of this fun thing we did while we had our real jobs. And it was like easy, relaxed. It was almost relaxing to go do this and not be on your job. And then when we started, when we got to the point where we had to raise money, yeah, I remember talking about it, thinking, all right, it might take a year or so to raise all this money. And uh, we went out and met with some guys. We didn't even pitch it to them at first as we want you to be investors. It was more like, these guys know business. They're almost retirement age. They've done really well. They could give us some pointers on what our business plan lacks. So we went, talked to them, spent a couple hours with them. And at the end, the guys had some real good questions. We could answer some, but a few, we were like, ah, we got to get back to you. And right at the end, he's like, you know what? If you can answer those questions, it, is it possible for me to put money in? And I think our everything clicked. We're like, uh, of course, yeah, sure. So then we hustled, got some answers. And within two months, we had all the money in the bank to start this thing. Really? But then it got really scary. So then up to that point, we could just, we had money in the account. We could just pay them their money back. But we had to decide do we buy a still? Uh huh. Do we spend all the money they gave us and go down this track? We have to leave our jobs. And that's where you're looking at your business partner going, all right, are you leaving first or am I leaving (laughs) first? Like, who's (laughs) making the jump? And uh, I don't know what it says. I left first. I don't know if that means I'm the dumb one or what. But but obviously, it worked out well. We are where we are because of that. But yeah, it was a scary moment, definitely.
0: I love, too. Obviously, it, 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 comes through how much fun you guys are having and and it came through especially Greg when you said when I had my real job because clearly you guys have real jobs now you're super successful entrepreneurs (laughs) but you still refer to that as your real job the fun you're having kind of really comes through
2: yeah we're definitely having a ton of fun we always said I mean we, we still to this day are working 14 hour days and and uh don't unfortunately get to go home as much as we'd like. Um, hopefully someday that, that, <laughs> that, changes, but, um, you know, it's, it's different cause you're working for yourself. It's 14 hour days feel like they're two hour days, right. you know, you go to work and you, holy cow, it's, you know, seven o'clock at night. How's it seven o'clock at night already? Um, so it's, it's just a different thing working for yourself and, 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 and doing something that you really love too. Um, like we, talked about it kind of started with the business side, but we've kind of fallen in love with distilling and making new products and, and, uh, and sharing it with people and, and, you know, just doing all the things that we get to do being in this business.
1: Yeah, for sure. The industry is a, a ton of fun and, uh, Dave brings up a good point. It doesn't always feel like work Uh huh. when we're at a restaurant trying to figure out which cocktails to put on the menu and we're having to taste different cocktails to figure that out. That's work. It it, it never, that is work. That's hard work that somebody has to do.
2: We have to go and eat at restaurants and that is work. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's,
1: (laughs) no, we definitely have some fun, but, um, but the, I I do think, you know, Dave brings up a good point with the 14 hour days. We put a lot of time in, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of effort to make it go. Um, but it's crazy how easy it is to do the other, but the other thing that you don't think about. When, you have, uh, when you're working a real job, it, it, there's, it doesn't seem like there's as much pressure on you. But man, when, you start, when we started Watershed, the crazy ups and downs of it all have been very intense. I mean, there's times. It's all, it's, we always say it's great that we have a business partner because there's times when it's you're so
2: low and times when the when you're so
1: high that it's good to have that other guy there to
2: balance it out. Yeah, I always I always talk about, you know, when people say, "Man, you have so much so much guts to go out and do this on your own and everything." I'm like, "I didn't do it on my own. I wouldn't have done it on my own. I have Huge respect for the people that go out and literally start a company by themselves and don't have a business partner because uh, to get through the first couple of years and not I have s- all the work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just played golf, country club, right, 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 right. Silver Spoon, right, right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but if if uh, if we didn't have you know. Somebody else to bounce, you know, highs and lows off of. We always say, you know, uh, don't get too highs with, uh, don't get too high with the highs, and don't get too low with the lows because there's all kinds of waves that you ride, especially the first couple years. Now, now, Greg,
0: you went to the Fisher College of Business here at Ohio State. Dave, you went to Ashland University. Did you study business there? I did. I
2: did finance and accounting.
0: So you both had a business background with your education, and you talk about how valuable it is to have a partner back in those days when you were still studying, were you thinking about having a partner even back then? Or were you thinking about, I'm going to do this myself, and then you just happened to strike up this great partnership?
2: I don't think I was thinking about starting a business at that time. I think, uh, you know, in college, I think you're worried about getting that first job and and getting off the the parents' uh, right. income and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I necessarily had aspirations to start a, a business outside or while I was in college. And I'm glad I didn't. We get to we get to speak to a lot of uh, college kids now. And and I feel like the entrepreneurial spirit in college kids is so great, but I always say, you know, if you can go and learn on somebody else's dime for a few years, do it Mm -hmm. because it's so valuable getting out there and get a sales job, you know, figure out if you're, if you can go in front of people and convince them to buy something from you, you know, because to start right after college and do do a business unless your parents are absolutely loaded and willing to finance it it's just not going to it's not going to go well I don't think most of the time
1: unless, yeah, you're, I unless was,
2: you're Bill Gates or somebody like
1: that <laughs> I was right the there in that same boat I was definitely too green right out of school to start something and for me I actually had the opportunity to go to Switzerland and play pro volleyball for a couple of years right out of school wow which was wow a crazy cool experience um this, and this white boy can jump. <laughs> yeah, used to be able to, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. We lived in a, a place right above a bakery at the base of the Alps, <clears throat> went snowboarding on our days off and played volleyball for a couple of years. It was, uh, I didn't make any money doing that, barely scraped by, but right out of school, it was perfect. I didn't need money. I was getting paid to play volleyball, so it was, it was kind of cool. You can't but, beat that. No, no, you can't. So He's um, had some rough careers. <laughs> 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 uh, so for me, I, I think I always thought it would kind of be on my own. Mm-hmm. And when I got back into real work here in the U.S. Um, and started uh, going out and developing my skills more, I realized that I had some good skills, but I really lacked some skills and so when Dave and I met, we worked well together, and I think we complement each other really well. So I approach every day as super op- optimistic, we're going to get everything done, this is, we, can, we can do a thousand things today, and I think Dave's a little more, I call it pessimistic, he says realistic,
0: but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it kind of keeps us uh, even, I, I would say. Did, did your time in Switzerland influence Watershed? Did that kind of give you the idea? Yeah, it absolutely helped influence it. So
1: this town I lived in called Appenzell, there was, I always say, fierce support for local. Uh So over here, if you search, you can find local stuff. Like take, for instance, soda. There's a company called Rambling House here in town that makes soda. You can find local soda if you want. You go over to Appenzell, this little region in Switzerland, and you go into a restaurant there, and they're serving uh, soda from a company called Goba which is a little local company, and every restaurant has it. I mean, you can find Coke, but it's not as popular as Goba. And it's kind of the opposite here, where you really have to look hard. So everything over there is local. And I remember when my wife and I first got over there into Appenzell, you're only about 30 minutes from the German border. Mm -hmm. And so everything's super expensive. I told you I wasn't making much money. And so one day we venture over into Germany, into a grocery store, and it was amazing. It was Everything was about a third the price, and we we're going crazy. We we're like, this is awesome. Like, we're buying <laughs> everything. Two sharping, shopping carts later, we check out, and we go driving back across the Swiss border. Now, we learned pretty quickly, the guys at the crossing uh, at, at immigration, they don't love you going to Germany and <laughs> pulling all this stuff in. So we kind of played the dumb American card and made it back through, and they said, never again. Well, that day at practice, I'm telling my buddies, I'm like, you know, I was all excited. I wanted to share it with everyone. I like, guess what? We went to Germany. Did you know? And I'm saying this like, of course they know. Like, you know, I've been here a month. Like, of course they know this. So I'm like, did you know you can go to Germany? It's so much cheaper. And they're looking at me like I'm some alien. Uh huh. They got this look on their face and one of the guys st- and, and I'm kind of slowing down and I'm like, uh, what what I say wrong? Like what what's on my face? What what are you staring at? And one of the guys says, well, Ralph Inowen, and he grows the eggs right down the road. Why wouldn't you buy his eggs at the local Coke? And uh, the Coke family makes all the furniture, and the Bieberly factory makes the you know the little dessert, and Goba makes the soda. Like why wouldn't you? You don't like that? St- they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh-huh. And it kind of started to click a little bit. They, it does cost a little more but they all support each other. And they all know all the people that are growing and making these things locally, which was really, really cool to hear and to see. And so I know when Dave and I were starting Watershed, some of that thread came into play and we were talking like, all right, we wanna do something local. We love this beer industry. We love the service industry. What can we do here that that resonates with people that nobody's doing? And there was a, a company making liquor in that town of Appenzell. And so when we were talking about it, I remember I was I was in the pig industry when, when we left our jobs and started Watershed. But I remember driving to a pig farm
0: like the pork industry, I like the pork. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, yes. That's you the, were the bacon head. man. I was the bacon man. So I'm driving to That's a pig job farm. he had that wasn't cool. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: All right, one,
1: volleyball. <laughs> volleyball to pork. All right. It's a, we don't have time to go into that segment. Right, right. But anyway, just uh, fast forward to the pork industry. I'm on 23 North headed north of Columbus on my way to a pig farm and I'm talking to Dave on the phone and it comes up like hey what what if we what if we tried to make gin and bourbon and vodka right here in Columbus and I was all excited about it of course and Dave's like well probably illegal <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe, but let's just live in this world that it might not be illegal. And the that's realist made, that's, comes that's, that's made up. Right? That's made up. <laughs> Come on, that's true. <laughs> no. And so actually, so I think it was that evening, maybe Dave or I, we Google searched and we're on the phone again and we're like, hey, there's other distilleries out there. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred or so other distilleries, micro distilleries out there making it. And so that kind of gave us the energy and said, you know, at first it's like, oh, we're not first, but then you start to think about it for a minute and you're like, wait, There's other guys doing it. Uh They're obviously making money doing it, and nobody's doing it here in Columbus. So then we got excited, and we knew we didn't know how to make it. So those were our guys that we could go learn from and model our business plan after them. And that really got us some energy. And um, I, I think since then, it's just picked up speed the whole time. And we keep telling our wives that pretty soon it's going to slow down. But here we are, what, six or seven years later, and it, it's not slowing down at all. It keeps
0: growing. Yeah, it keeps yeah. growing. Yeah. Now, as a partnership, obviously, you it seems like you complement each other very well. Uh, with the realist and maybe the <laughs> optimist. Uh, I like I like it, I like
2: it. <laughs> Wait, I now,
0: when, uh, obviously though, sometimes there are disagreements uh, in a partnership. You guys have, now, uh, Greg's shaking his head here. You guys can't see that, but he's shaking his head, completely uh, saying that that is not true. But obviously, that must come up from time to time where you don't exactly agree on the next step forward. How do you guys resolve that working together as a partnership? We haven't hit each other yet. Not <laughs>
2: close. <Yeah. laughs> close. No. I. You know. Luckily, um, we typically get mad and then. A half an hour later, one of us comes up and says, "Sorry, you know, <laughs> shouldn't have, shouldn't have gotten that that hot about that little thing." Um, but for the most part, we're trying our hardest right now to divide and conquer. Um, you know, Greg does a lot of the operation stuff. I do a lot of the sales stuff, and we try to divide those roles and then come back together every now and then and and talk about them. Um, but naturally, yes, there are some some arguments uh, every now and then. We both feel pretty passionate about the business, but that's what always. Brings us back, as we know the other person's working 14 hours a day too, and and working for the same exact reason. And luckily, neither of us feel like the other one slacks off or anything like that. So in the end, we know, all right, this guy's got my back, I got his back. Um, yeah, it's easy to forgive when you look across
1: the desk and you see the other guy there just putting his heart into it as well. Uh huh. And I I know I feel super passionate because we I put so much in. And I think we both do a good job of putting ourselves in the other guy's shoes and saying he's only that way because he's putting in so much time and effort. And he feels strongly about it, and I want him to be that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's times when we're button heads, and uh, <laughs>
2: we, we try not to do it in front of employees. Now <laughs> but kind we've gotten a little done better a couple it. times, and it's like, ooh, yeah, it probably wasn't the best move. But
0: you've yeah. mentioned, especially Dave, you've mentioned several times being in the sales business, being a salesperson before you started before you started Watershed. Now obviously a lot of being a salesperson is dealing with rejection. Sure. Because you're not always gonna make the sale. A lot of time right. they don't want what you're selling. Yep. Now does do you think that in, in dealing with the rejection as a salesperson helps you start a business as far as certain things aren't going to go your way at the beginning. Do you think that helped you prepare for that?
2: I think it did. I, you know, you know, luckily we're in a business right now where, where we get a lot more yeses than I used to get in my previous career. <laughs> I sold toilets for a living, basically. <laughs> so, so what? we come from pigs and toilets. It's it's uh, exciting backgrounds, right? Actually, uh, they kind of complement yeah, yeah, each other. It yeah, it does. It's it's uh, it we could we could really <laughs> yeah we, we could wow. we could really get into that. Right. Right but uh, you know where it was you know one out of ten you might get a yes in that business you know this business were are greater than fifty percent usually when we go out there and, and hustle hard. So um, you know yeah, it's, people it's, are definitely excited when you walk into. A restaurant and you say,
1: Hey, we're making some vodka right here in Columbus and some gin right here in Columbus. They're excited about it. And what we've always said from the beginning is I think people will try product because we're local, mm-hmm. but they won't buy it again unless it's really good. Right. And so that's really what we focus on when we started. We said, we, we always thought we'll get a shot, but if it's not great, they're not going to come back for more. And we've been fortunate that they continue to come back for more.
2: Yeah
0: tell us a little bit about your you're obviously a distillery you're selling a lot of spirits but there's also a tour aspect to your business where people can come to watershed distillery and and take a tour and see what it's all about how did that come about how do you think that adds to your business what was kind of the, the I think imp- at
2: first it was it was you know we didn't have a huge marketing budget whatsoever uh-huh. at, at the beginning we still don't um, and we felt like you know the best Way to get uh, to drum up business and to get some fans was to have them in and show them exactly what we do. Um, tell them some bad jokes. Tell them some really bad you know. jokes. Yeah, we we <laughs> don't encourage people to come in for a second tour because you, you hear the same lame jokes every time. Hecklers, um, hecklers right, can right, come exactly, spoil the exactly, 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 exactly. Right. It's so, bad.
1: We can't do tours together anymore,
2: and, and we ruin each other's jokes. And we're like, oh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready <laughs> yeah. for it. But um, no, it's 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 a great experience. We get people in, and we hope hope to just build super fans out there. I mean, word of mouth is still by far the best part of our business, and I think we've since we started, we've given over ten thousand people tours through Watershed, really? which is which is pretty crazy for our small little company. So yeah, and
1: our strategy with tours
2: was always we know people want to see the
1: process, uh-huh. and we'll show them that, and, and we do during the tour. But they're spending an hour with us. We want to entertain them, we want to engage them, we want to have fun with them. And so you know, we test their noses. Um, like, like Dave said, like I said, we, we try to tell some bad jokes. I mean, it's fun. We, but, but most of the time they get into the stories of how we started and, you know, we tell them how the state of Ohio works. One crazy thing that when, when you're telling some stories about like when we got our products listed with the state, everyone is so in tune and listening and they're, they're really, they want to know, they want to hear that when you're talking about how the yeast breaks the uh, carbohydrate or the, breaks the sugar down into alcohol and carbon dioxide and heat. Sometimes the eyes are glazing over a little bit, and they're like, uh, "So do we bro- get to taste <laughs> yet? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, anybody so, ready for a drink? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so, but it, it is about showing them what we're all about. But uh, they have a fun time on tour as well, and and they learn a little bit. At but it's cool
2: time. in the fact that you can see it in a, on a small scale. I mean, obviously going down Kentucky and seeing uh, the Bourbon Trail down mm-hmm. there is is a really popular thing. Millions of people do that every year. Um, But what sometimes they don't show you is the complete process. And you don't get to see the stills all the time and all that kind of stuff. And you get to see everything uh, when you come to Watershed. One of the interesting things about Watershed in particular is you guys are a relatively
0: new brand, but you feel like you've been here for a long, long time. There's a lot of heritage to it. How did that come about?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know we are we're, we are a n- newer brand, but uh, you know in the micro distilling world we're almost like the old guys in the on the block. Just in the fact that you know I think there was there was barely a hundred distilleries when we started. Now there's in some some uh, publications they say up to nine hundred really? in 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 the uh, in the U.S. So. For us, you know, I feel like we've always just tried to, to build slowly and build the right way, and we don't we don't throw a ton of products out there. We still only have uh, our four core products plus a, a fifth seasonal product, so it's not like we have 25 different products out there, so we really just try to build what we do and, and continue to do what we do really well. And I think the other thing that helped us,
1: in 2010 when we launched, we had the local media, the local restaurants, they gave us a lot of love. Mm -hmm. And so really quickly after we launched, a lot of people knew about the brand. And so I think that has helped tremendously. So fast forward five years and people feel like, oh yeah, they've been around a while. Yeah, And uh, you know, I kind of think of, I think for Dave and I, it's happened really, really quick. And we still kind of look at each other and and think, wow, five years already, that's crazy. Um, But yeah, I think that has helped.
0: Now, You've mentioned several times kind of the the micro-brewing business as a bit of a precursor to what it is you do. That's something that's been huge. The microbreweries, the craft breweries. Is that something that, you know, distillers such as yourselves are looking towards that segment of the industry for kind of a pattern for what you're doing?
2: Definitely. I think, you know, It's the funny story is we, we thought about starting a microbrewery and it t- shows you how smart we are. We, we were like, seven years ago, we are like, man, there's just way too many microbreweries. It's, it's oversaturated. <laughs> there's no way you could be successful doing it. Fast forward to today, every everybody that we know in the microbrewing segment is killing it and expanding and everything else. So uh maybe that wasn't the best business move, but um, you know, I think definitely a trend that we hope continues in our business is something that patterns after the microbrewing segment. I mean, they're they're now up to almost 10% of the total volume of beer is microbrewed beer, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge compared to literally like one or two percent five, six years ago. So yeah. it's grown like crazy over the last five or six years. And um, you know, we're still micro distilling is still under 1% of the total volume in the US. So we hope that we can start to pay, pace up. And I think we are, I mean, people are becoming more aware of it. And as the products get better and better, I think people will will, will go more towards that, that segment.
0: And you mentioned several times your seasonal product, Nochino. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, nochino has been a fun one. We, When we opened our doors and started our distillery, there was this almost in, unspoken invitation for people from home to walk in. And, you know, I always uh, kind of open their jacket and say, hey, look what I distilled at home. <laughs> and Dave and I are like, wait, whoa, that's illegal. Put that away. <laughs> yeah. And um, we, we laugh, but... Um, a local guy came in and he wasn't distilling at home but he was making a product at home a liqueur so he could buy vodka and make it and he was a very interesting guy and he would just drop it off real nice and we got to talk with him a little bit and kind of developed a relationship and he dropped off some fennel cello and some nocino and the nocino was really good but it was we were really busy didn't have any time so we kind of put it off we're like ah thanks man well, one day he invites us, Dave and I, over to his place. Mm-hmm. And it's a late day in June. And he says, come on over. I've got all the stuff to make Nocino. And we're like, all right, let's go. Let's go check it out. He's a good dude. And so we go over there and we're having fun. He's telling us stories about his family. We're picking walnuts in his yard, chopping the walnuts up. Now, you have to pick the walnuts in late June. That's the only time of year you can do it. They're still soft on the inside. That nut hasn't formed. So we're chopping up walnuts in his kitchen. We use some vanilla beans, some clove, some citrus peel. And we, we get all this, and we put it in vodka to soak. And we kind of put it away, and it has to sit there for almost five months. Uh-huh. So he goes downstairs in his basement and brings out some stuff from last year. And so then within an hour, we're sitting on his porch, pouring this stuff over Gin- Jenny's vanilla bean ice cream, Eating nochino on ice cream on his porch on a June day, and we're kind of like, this is awesome. Yeah, and we kind of have that moment of we gotta make this. It's so good, and it took us a couple of years to really scale it up and figure out how to scale it up. But um, this this product has roots in northern Italy. And Charlie, Charlie is the guy who who shared this with. If you shared this recipe with us. If you pick up our bottle, actually, and you turn it around to the back, it says "Thanks, Charlie" on the back, just for all his help. Nice. But, but yeah, it's a it's a fun product. He doesn't you, get any money though. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, wasn't, he didn't he, ask for it either, <laughs> but he's a he's a good dude. He just wanted someone to make it. Uh-huh. So anyway, we. I think we're only the second company or the there's only two companies in the u s making it because you have to pick the walnuts in such a short time period. you got to make it all one time a year. It's a really hard to find product, but uh, the reception on it's been pretty amazing. Everybody around town is is really uh, loving it, yeah.
0: Now, you've had a lot of growth. You said you started in 2010. You've expanded your space. You've brought bought more uh, equipment. Another still? Is that the correct terminology? Yeah, yeah we're,
1: on, we're on still number three right
2: now.
0: Wow. Now, what are some of the big challenges you've faced as Watershed Distillery has grown over these last few years?
2: I think, honestly, the big challenges, uh, one of the big challenges has been to, to offload some of what we started doing onto other people. Uh, and and hiring that first full-time employee was always like, oh man, you know, like we're going to we're going to trust somebody else with our baby, you yeah. know. And um, now we're up to uh, we just hired our our eighth full-time employee um, just this last week and uh and it's it's just been a beautiful thing all of our employees uh except maybe one of them are, are really good. now I'm just joking no no really I, we, now they're we've, scared. we've we've no, we've, joking. Got, we've we've gotten really really lucky in the fact that we've hired some really great people and that's really truly what what's made us have or given us the ability to expand and, and grow
0: Excellent. Excellent. Now, what about something you talked about a little bit is being in an industry that is kind of regulated. Your industry is regulated. Super regulated. Yes. Yes. How do you how do you deal with that? How has that been a challenge? How have you confronted that? How do you you face that going forward?
1: I think one of the biggest challenges there was right at the beginning. you, You talk about this regulation. I remember Dave and I thinking you know, Ohio division of liquor control. How's it, how are we going to work with them? Is it going to be adversarial? Are they going to help us out? And we decided at the beginning, you know what, we're just going to put the cards on the table. They're the experts. We're not, Mm -hmm. let's, let's see if we can figure it out together. And back to when we were raising money, we actually lost some investors at the beginning that, that liked our idea, but wouldn't put money in because we were pretty open with them. And we said, look, we're going to have to collect all this money. And then we're going to spend it all. We're going to buy the still, we're going to rent the space and we're basically going to get all the equipment in and then we'll get the license to turn on the still just to turn it on from the state and the federal government Mm -hmm. then we got to go out and spend a few months making product getting it good once we make it then we have to take our our two bottles and and so we did so when we did all that dave and i have our gin and our vodka well actually i had the gin and the vodka in our hand and dave had our one-page marketing plan and we go into the state and we meet with the top three people at Division of Liquor Control. And we gave them a pitch like, this is why you should sell Watershed in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And we have basically, I think, 15 minutes scheduled for this meeting. And in that meeting, they're going to tell us, yes, we'll sell it or no, we won't. So everything's riding. On Everything
2: that. is riding yep. on this meeting. And at that time, I believe you had to wait a couple more months to reintroduce it if, if they gave you a no. So, I mean, you're talking three months rent you know still payments all kinds of different stuff and probably trying to take it to Indiana and sell it at that point (laughs) or something like that but
1: so I we have vivid memories of walking into this meeting the night before Dave's mom had embroidered watershed distillery on our button-down shirts they are all creased up looking good (laughs) very nice and I'm like sweating through mine as I walk in holding the bottles and we set them down And they actually try, they crack it open and try the bottles right there. They ask us a few questions. And I remember the the lady in charge and she says, you know what? We like you guys. We're going to go ahead and give you 22 stores here in Columbus and so I'm thinking, yes, we got it. And Dave's on my right hand side, and he's still like hammering out the marketing plan. I'm <laughs> kicking him under the table, like, dude, let's go. They said yes, come on. <laughs> and so we go hustling out of there. But yeah, 22 stores they gave us that day. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and, and once we kind of got in, I remember our conversation sometime down the road after that of, man, they've been amazing to work with at the state. They really have helped us out. And I I think um, Dave probably got this long before I did, but I kind of had this aha moment of, oh, yeah, you know, we sell our our bourbon for thirty nine ninety five. Well, the state pays us just over $21 for it. So they're really good to us, but they make a lot of money off what we're doing. So there's some incentive there, too. But it's been great working with them, even though the regulation side is pretty tough. Uh uh-huh. they, And they're the first to admit that. They say, look, there's a lot of regulation. We get it. But let's work together and try to figure out how to get through it. And they've been good about that.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, we've been around for five years Growth, continual growth, what is next for Watershed Distillery? What can we expect here in Columbus, Ohio, and perhaps beyond? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, that's always an interesting question. So we, so we have a still <laughs> set. That's the only right. thing we've ever paused on, I think. <laughs>
0: they literally uh, looked right, at each right. other. They looked which, at each other. It was almost like a sitcom. Which one's going <laughs> to so,
2: answer that question? So
1: I'll, I'll kind of paint the picture. We have a license and we have a still set mm-hmm. And we're pretty motivated guys and there's all kinds of direction. You look at the beer industry and we've gone from Bud, Miller and Coors to the crazy amount of variety that's out there right now in in our drinking lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so you look at the spirit side, think about that on steroids because there's so many different types of spirits and so many directions you can go. So we are excited. We are working on stuff. We have five products right now. There are things that we're working on making, but we want to make sure it's really, really good and it meets the quality standards that we've set. Before we release it, there's so, a
2: lot of stuff at Watershed that never makes it to market <laughs> we, because we try it and we think it's going to be really good and it's not so good and we uh, scrap it. We so. made a
1: lot of bad gin before we released the gin that we have, and so we are we're busy making a lot of bad products right now. <laughs>
2: so we're, we're trying
1: to get another good one.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, so. hopefully there's a, a, a diamond in the. We are excited
1: about some stuff, but we're not quite there yet. Right. Uh, I definitely think we're we're going to continue to work with our partners, the restaurant partners across Ohio. Uh, that's really high priority for us and like Dave said we've hired some people to help us out with that and we're pretty excited about that
0: the re- the restaurant partnership is very important how does how does that come about how do you cuz you're almost like partners in a way with these restaurants That's right. That's right.
2: right yeah i mean the 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 bi- business model that we took at the beginning was not only um was the was the tour uh, business really important to us for word of mouth on that side of the business but Making relationships with the restaurant owners, bar managers, bartenders, all that kind of stuff. Again, we didn't have a huge budget, and those guys could promote our, our business a lot at the beginning. So we just traveled around. I remember we, we always say we, we started the still in the morning, we got it going, we left. We had to put the bucket under under the still, and we went out and sold for three hours, and we tried to time it perfectly before the still started <laughs> overflowing. The bucket started overflowing, and, and we we've, we we've, should
1: have done a disclaimer right before then. If you're our insurance agent, <laughs> please <Yeah>. don't <laughs> listen to this. Yeah, I yeah. promise we don't we do don't, it that way anymore. We don't, we
2: don't leave the still now. We don't leave the still now. But yeah, but we
1: definitely spilled some gin at the beginning and yeah. spilled some vodka. But um, we have a better system now. It's just a bigger bucket, but it's a better system. (laughs) (laughs) And that
0: bigger bucket you can see on the tour. Right. right? The bigger bucket. Yes, come on in and see the big bucket. Gigantic bucket. (laughs) Well, Greg Lehman, Dave Rigo, thank you so much, Waterstead Distillery. Thank you so much for joining us here on Seabuzz. Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? (laughs)
2: <laughs> like to boy another pause uh no i think you know we we just encourage people to to come out and see us um you know we're we're offering tours a couple times a week now uh if they want to if they want any more information on us it's just watersheddistillery.com uh and we'd love to have them out and definitely thanks for the support i mean we
1: love how much columbus loves columbus yes and i I guess I love Columbus, but I didn't realize how many people really felt that way. But it's really cool to see when people come on tour, when we see people out in restaurants. And we've seen a lot of other entrepreneurs growing their business along the way. And I know we try like crazy to support other Columbus businesses, and we love it when they support us as well. And uh, it's kind of cool to be here,
0: and we're pretty excited about it. Well, Columbus certainly loves Watershed Distillery. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much, Dave, uh, for joining us here on Seabuzz. My name is Dan Swartout. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time here on Seabuzz.